What the fuck do you want? And why not? The movie podcast for the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. If you're a regular listener, thank you and welcome back to the show. And if you're joining us for the first time, thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoy the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by a returning guest and that Comics Mail co host, Tom Stewart discuss the 2013 Richard Curtis sci-fi-ish rom-com About Time. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. My name is Tim, and this is the year that would change my life forever. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! I just didn't know it yet. Tim, my dear son, this is going to sound strange, but there's this family secret that the men in the family can travel in time this is such a weird joke it's not a joke if it's true which it isn't although it is but if it was which it's not which it is how would i actually you go into a dark place clench your fists think of the moment you're going to and you'll find yourself there it's gonna be a complicated year it's gonna be a complicated life for me it was always going to be all about love I'm Tim. I'm Mary. It's my mother's name. I remind you of your mother. Obviously, I should have thought this through more. Could you give me one second? I'm Tim. I'm Mary. I love your eyes. Do you? I love the rest of your face, too. I haven't even looked further down, but I'm sure it's all fantastic. I'm sure it'll be better next time. Well done. Some people make a real mess of it the first time. Some days you want to relive forever. Will you marry me? I think I'll go for yes. Some days you only want to live once. I am so uninterested in a life without your father. It never occurred to me that I might lose you. I never said you could fix everything. Not without consequences. It's so good to see you. We've never met before. Oh, no. What do I do? You have to use it to make your life the way you want it to be. I never know what the future holds, just like everyone else. Time catches up to all of us. My son. My dad. I try to live every day as if it was the final day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. I hope I see you again. You will. My whole life depends on it. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm not too bad. See, how are you getting on, buddy? Oh, I'm ticking on, you know, life and all that <laughs> shit. <laughs> this wondrous life that this we're living. wondrous <laughs> life. It's, uh, yeah, nothing that can't be sorted with a bit of concentration in a dark cupboard and clenched fists. <laughs> hey, tie it all in. There we go. There we go. That's, see. that's it. You're a pro. <laughs> well, yeah, 
in, in the purely walk in the streets in high heels kind of way. <laughs> Which comes up quite a lot. <laughs> it does, yeah. There's a surprising amount of prostitute talk in this film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, how's things with you anyway before we sort of get sucked into this? So, oh, fine. Just trials and tribulations of life, much like anybody yeah. else. Um, but hey ho, say lovey. Life ticks on. That's that's what it is. Just trying to enjoy everything the best I can. That's How about it. you, mate? Yeah, much the same. I mean, thank fuck we got movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I say. It's been a wonderful distraction watching movies, and I've been lucky recently that the last few I've watched have been a nice escapism or a nice discovery for the first time. In the case of like Moonstruck and that, yeah, and, nice. And it was really nice to revisit this one, which is about time. Hey. Um, that's the title of the film, not about time we started. <laughs> <laughs> that's about time. <laughs> it's about time, you know. We've been on for two hours, and we haven't even talked. <laughs> <laughs> right, a uh, bit of info about the film. So, written and directed by Richard Curtis, starring Donald Gleason. I'm never sure if I say his first name right, but that's what I'm going with. Uh, Donald Gleason, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nye, Tom Hollander, and Margot Robbie are the names on the poster. Um, released in cinemas on the 8th of November 2013 in the US and on the 4th of September 2013 in the UK. So, we got it first. Uh, grossed $87,100,488. million, $100,488. Worldwide on an estimated budget of twelve million, according to IMDb. That's rare. Can you imagine a twelve million dollar budget movie coming out now? I know, especially um, like this. No Roger Ebert or Barry Norman reviews because they were either no longer with us or not reviewing films by that point. Um, but Mark Dinning in Empire Magazine gave the film four stars out of five, and Mark Commode in The Guardian gave the film three stars out of five. So I think it was generally well received at the time. Mm. There are probably some sniffy reviews, but I can fuck to find them. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so usual start kicking off question. What are your memories of first seeing it? Or was it a cinema job? Or It wasn't a cinema job. I remember seeing it advertised on the bus, if I remember rightly. Um, and not really thinking much about it. And I, I remember hearing uh, the the whole thing of like, oh, Rachel McAdams is in two um, time travel movies recently or something. I was going, what? And it was that and the time traveler's wife. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, I think she only deals exclusively in time travel films now. Yeah, I, I suppose like, there's a lot of time travel in the first Doctor Strange as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I was saying, going, I don't understand. Because, um, you know, the poster for About Time is just them laughing in the rain. I'm like, What's yeah, it's that actually a about? really nice picture. It is a very image. nice picture, um, and doesn't give anything away. So it's great. Uh, the two leads, um, and it doesn't give a single thing away. But then I think we must have picked it up on uh, streaming at some point, or something like that. Or somebody had mentioned something. We said, "Oh, we'll we'll watch it." And honestly, it was one of those ones where you're starting to watch it and kind of going, "Okay, I'm getting a feel for this." And it's like five, ten minutes into the film and you're just gone. Like It's like being a kid back at the cinema again and it's like I'm fully invested in all of this. Yeah. Um, I'm a sucker for um, Richard Curtis films anyway with like say Notting Hill and um, 
Love Actually and Four Weddings and stuff like that. Like I know they all have their issues or whatever now. Or yeah, no, shit I like mean, that. I I love Notting Hill. I mm-hmm. think I prefer Notting Hill to Four Weddings, as controversial as that is for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. Just because, I don't know, I just, there's nothing wrong with Four Weddings. I just, <laughs> as a preference, prefer Notting Hill. Yeah, yeah. It's the one I've seen the most. Um, I wasn't fussed on Love Actually, to be honest. And I found the boat that rocks quite fucking uncomfortable. There's yeah, one scene like... in that in particular that really turned me off Richard Curtis. Which yeah, is the, like, she's asleep, why don't you fuck her instead? Because I can't. It's like, yeah, that's rape. Yeah. And that's yeah. really icky and uncomfortable. And I'm not cool for this film, though. Yeah, I didn't like um, The Boat That Rocked and almost put me off him entirely and then heard about this and he was tied to it and stuff. And was going, ah, okay. Yeah, um, that's, I think that's why I wasn't. But there was that. And I had a similar idea of a. It was either going to be the stock room or the toilet in a comic shop. It meant you could go back in time into a previous relationship and relive it. But I'd never fully developed the idea. But I was like, this film sounds like it might be quite close to that. So I'm going to swerve it just in case. <laughs> but then I think I bought the Blu-ray when it was released. I got a feeling it was released in time for Valentine's Day in 2014. Possibly. It I'm comes sure off. I've got it in a Valentine's Day packaging. But apparently it comes off of Netflix the day after Valentine's Day this year. Um, so it comes off on the 15th um, but yeah I think it was. It must have been something like that like we caught it on streaming and, and just kind of went oh we'll give it a shot and now I can honestly say it's like top 10 for me like 100% like I love it it's Absolutely one of those ones I keep catching it. the end because it seems to show up on like 5 star or something like that fairly regularly yeah. or great movies yeah. and it's like it's like fuck I'm an hour in but I'm sticking with it because it the thing I love about it is you've got a really nice rom-com story and you've already mm-hmm. got a really nice father and son story. Yes. And I'd argue yes. that I'm invested more in the father and son story. Mm-hmm. I think the rom-com stuff's done well, but it's very similar to other Richard Curtis things. Yep. I think the father and son story is genuinely refreshing. Yep, it there's, is. There's no drama between them. It's just a really nice father-son. There's no drama really between anybody in this it's the only real sort of shocking stuff that happens in it is the stuff that happens with his sister yeah. and even then it's not it's not shocking it's just it's unfortunate her, that her all downfall, that kind of stuff or not downfall but you know uh, falling down for want of a better term yeah it's done really nicely in the film because you know she's the upbeat center of his universe kind of thing to begin with then obviously as he forms the relationship with mary and you just get little snippets of her life falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where yeah, it yeah. comes to a head. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, all sort of centered around that guy that she met at the very start of the New yeah. Year's party. Jimmy Kincaid. I'll <laughs> never forget his name. How dare he? <laughs> I just kept thinking of him. He's that boy in Cemetery Junction, isn't he? Oh, he is, isn't he? Of course he is. Yeah. I, I just every time for a while. For a long time. Um, that's one of those ones as well. Cemetery Junction is one of those ones where I started watching it and was like, I'm not really into this. And then it got to the end and found myself being like, I seem to enjoy that and I don't know yeah. how. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why I enjoyed it, but I really did. Um but yeah, I'll never I'll never forget his name and how he did that to his sister. Yeah. Terrible boy. Um I love how this nothing... film sets up the family. Oh yeah, god yeah. With that very yeah. Hugh Granty, Richard Curtis voiceover. Mm-hmm. It's it's all very quaint. It's yeah. all very quaint how the Americans see Brits. 
it's um, yeah, it's, it's Brits, um, Americans' idea of middle class Brits. Yeah, and it's all very London. All of it's very London. Even when they go to Cornwall, very, very picturesque Cornwall. Yeah, even when they go to Cornwall, none of them have a Cornwall accent, for That's one, uh, and they're clearly all from London. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's the holiday you know, wankers just, who never left. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a whole thing about this film, the time travel aspect, and the kind of relationships and dynamic of the whole thing that you have to just suspend disbelief from the minute go. It's a proper film in that respect of like it's escapism. There's no sort of realistic element to it except from the fact that it's set in London. That's about it. Otherwise it's everything's very idealistic. Everything's very Hollywood. And if you're not looking for that then I'm sorry, but that's that's what it is. You know it's it's escapism in the truest sense with an eye to also make you feel good about life. Because the whole it's it's just like a positivity check throughout the entire thing of like telling you like things are things aren't great day to day but you just have to view it slightly differently and all this kind of stuff that's the ultimate kind of thing that you need to take away from it like surround yourself with those you love and try and view life as best you can is basically what it's saying throughout the entire film it's not saying you have to it's just saying Try, you know, try your absolute best to to it's view it as it's, best it's the first message of the film, isn't it? When Bill Nye is explaining the time travel thing, yeah, which I love how he's explaining it to him, and he's like, "You're gonna be in big trouble when I come back downstairs, feeling like a tit for standing in the wardrobe." Yeah, <laughs> but he's like, "What's what's the first thing you want to do?" And he's like, "I suppose money." It's like, nope, bad idea. Yep, never was like, a, never seen a happy yeah. rich person. <laughs> but it's when he's like, so he's, he's speaking about. Um, the uncle, you think of it, think about your uncle Bernard, where he's like, oh, What happened to him? He's like, Absolutely sod all. <laughs> he's like, The man achieved nothing. <laughs> but he goes on about his granddad as well. That's a good setup. That's a throwaway line in it, is that he says that he's um, his, gra- his grandfather's so obviously his dad, um, just became a, a cartankerous old bugger because yeah. of it, because he was constantly just trying to sort of chase like fame or money or whatever, you know. Um, and that's obviously then learned uh, Bill Nye's character. So he's been like, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to use it just to read, you know. I bet it was such a good idea. I see love how they do that. You see all the books piled up, and then as yeah. the shelves behind, as Donald Gleason comes in, if you notice the film yep. goes on, there's more and more books on those yep. shelves as well. And and he gets more and more like little do- dolly trolleys and stuff filled with them. And that. Which you get the idea that as his kids leave home as well, he's got so much more time to read yep. and go back and read again. But that, that, that had loads of ties in it as well. That had loads of bits in it where... You know, like he goes back to visit him um, later on in the film and stuff, and he's just sitting reading. And I'm like, yeah. God, it's just so good. Like, but it was such a good idea. Like, what, what, what did you do with the the power um, of being able to go back? You know, um, he's like, oh, it's all, it's been all about books. And I was like, God, you would, wouldn't you? Like, if you wanted to have a really nice life and just set yourself up, um. And just just really enjoy everything. You would just focus on one thing, like read more, yeah. listen to more music, like stuff like that. That's what you would do. Or watch loads of films or something like that. Whereas his thing was spend time with his family and read. Like yeah. that was that was it. It was like oh, amazing. And there's little bits to like ties to that later on as well. Where I only just realized there's a line that he says in it that 
ties to later on to the first sort of opening of the film as well that was like oh that's really clever like I never thought about that um but we're we're skirting around the the thing of like uh the whole point of about time is that uh Tim is told by his dad that um the men in the family uh can travel in time but only in their their timeline only in their timeline and they have to be able to remember that time as well yes they they, they, have they can go, go back to like when they were a baby or anything yeah which I don't know uh, if you have to have a clear memory or if you can just have a vague memory of you in the news agents at age 13 or yeah. something. <laughs> it's not like butterfly effect. You can't go back and wrap an umbilical cord around your neck and strangle yourself in the womb. Um, <laughs> Such a happy yeah. ending to that film. Oh, isn't it just? There's three endings to that film, but that's one Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, but... I did uh, like they addressed the butterfly effect thing. It was like, we don't seem to have buggered anything up so far. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it's very I much love- the... Um, Austin Powers too. Thing about I suggest you don't think too much about. It. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like that he does that as well because the way he explains stuff away, it is like a like just don't think about it. Like just go into this film and just experience it as it is. Don't question anything. It you know it's got a time travel element, but it's just germane to this person and nobody else around them, sort of thing. That's basically what they're saying. Like the men in the family can have this power. You go into a darkened room, clench your fist, focus on a moment, and you'll go there. And you can do whatever you want. It will have some consequences, but you know that's it. You know, nothing like life threatening. It's all just like on Tim. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or on his dad. That's it. Um, which is just tremendous. It's such a good way of setting up time travel. So many films just focus when they do time travel, but actually so much so that time travel in that film as much as it is a huge part of the movie, you kind of forget that that's what's going on after yeah, a while. It's used surprisingly sparingly at times. Yeah. For a lot of it, when you think about it, there's not actually a lot. It seems to be in small chunks, like, you know, the first time he has sex with Mary, <laughs> he does that three times. I love the thing as well, that it's wiped him out. <laughs> that was hilarious. She's like, well, what, so you're only going to do it once? He's like, well, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> The thing I love that you don't notice on the first viewing is the wry little smile on Brill Nye's face. Like when he first does the sun tan lotion on Donna from Neighbours. And you know, is that awkward? Yeah, I'd love to do it everywhere. And then when he comes back and he's playing it cool and you just cut to a little insert shot of Bill Nye and he's just got a wry smile on his face like, you fucking fix this, haven't you? Yeah. (laughs) It's funny as well because those two know between each other that that's what's going on. Like yeah. there's a bit, there's a bit obviously when they have the serious conversation. Spoilers, like skipping way ahead, but when they oh, have no, the we'll, serious, we'll jump all over the place. It's fine. Yeah, when when he's having the the serious conversation with his dad that he's dying of cancer, um, and it's going to be quick or whatever. Um, it, he turns to him at one point and goes. We've had this conversation before, and he's like, "Yes, we have." He's like, well, "Rather I'll... let myself down the last." I, like, oh, I give you a hug, and he's like, "Oh, I'll have to give you a hug." Oh, I just, oh, it's that part. one and jumping all over the place. But at the end of the last ping pong game, where he's like, "What do I win?" He's like, "I'll have to set for a kiss." Like a oh, kiss. He's like, "Oh," <laughs> and then yeah, he realizes oh. what it is. Oh, mate, see you when he's see the fact that he gets to have moments with his dad again in this film it fucking kills me absolutely kills me I mean a little insight, little personal bit here but my dad died when I was young 
and this film destroyed me for the father-son thing because they had such a good relationship and they were like best friends in this film. Um, and up until I lost my dad, we were best mates, you know. Yeah. So this is just it. It just oh, it totally kills me. But to see him, he does the things that I would do, like he just basks in his presence. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like when he's it's the funeral. They're all sitting about, and he goes, "Oh, excuse me, a minute." And he goes away in a cupboard, and then he oh, goes. The way he's looking something. at his dad while he's reading the passage from the book, and he's just like oh. memorizing his dad yep. in this sort of private moment. It's taking everything in and every word, and he's just like, "This is incredible," you know. And he's like, "Oh, I've got the time. Like, I'll sit yeah. here." Oh, just unbelievable! Like, just so good. Um, but that ping pong game. And then when he gives him a kiss, I mean the the pained looks on both their faces when it's happening. He's just so sad, and he's you know my son, my dad. Um, but he says um, we're going to do something. We're going to break the rules if we if we're very careful. Uh, we'll get off with it. And he just ah, oh, they both go back, and he's just we. And it's just him and a kid running on the beach. Ah, oh, my and god! The, at the end of it, we're just like, thanks, dad. Uh, I'm thinking about it now. I'm actually like. Uh, as soon as they get the phone call during the scene where the door yeah. was destroyed, all the things, as soon as he gets the phone call, I start welling up. And when um, the mum, Mary, says about, you know, yes, I'm totally I'm, disinterested I'm, I'm really, I'm really in life. Fucked off. I'm totally disinterested in a life without your father. And even the beautiful bit with um, Uncle D, Uncle Desmond, where he's um, like, you know, your father said he loved me. That was the best day of my life. I think this might be the worst day. Yeah. Oh man, we're skipping. We're skipping like miles. We are. We're jumping all over the place. Well, I mean, there's but, two sort of stories to cover with this: is that you've got the Mary story and you've got the father story. Yeah. Um, the that the thing other with these film nice smile is when he's taken his sister back and she's beat the shit out of Jamie. Yes. And he has that look, and he follows them, and he's like, "They've both gone back in time." Yeah. They're sorting something out. Obviously, it doesn't stick because he went back before his daughter was born, and his daughter became a son. Yeah, he also Which, at least his son was pleased to see him when he went back and it was his daughter again. She was crying her eyes out. I know, and you know what? When he goes back and he sees his son as well, like I always feel sorry for for that little boy yeah. because his I've dad got a note here that's like rejecting your son from another time. I know his his dad is just looking at him like, "Hello, little boy." Like, <laughs> there's like, no oh, there's man. no affection or anything. I got so many no. notes on this film. I wrote so many things down, <laughs> but he, um. I, I did think like, oh, why did he why did he opt to have her like have the car accident as well? It was like he brought her over to the house before that, before showing her everything. And then I thought, well, he had to. Yeah, yeah. Because it take her to had, the lowest ebb and Yeah. He knew that she was going to be okay anyway. So that was how he could let it happen. You know what I mean? But oh, I just I adored the bits as well when he saw Jimmy. And he just got so annoyed. Yeah. Like, um, there's a bit where he bumps into he bumps into Margot Robbie um in London and she says, Oh, how's Kit Kat getting on? Um I, I occasionally hear about her from uh Jimmy. And he's and he just his whole affliction changes and he goes, Oh that, yeah, do you? He's like, Really? When? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's he just he's so angry, and yet Tim's such a happy go lucky you know, his bubbly sort of character and to then have him 
get that angry that quickly is like oof. Like when Jimmy turns up to the door and says, like, oh, he's like, where's my sister? It's, it's the way he says it as well. Like everybody yeah. else, he would be like, it's oh, the way he shot as well. Such. It's like him focusing on his mouth. Yep. You've got the framing of just his mouth and it's Donald Gleason's eyes. And yep. Sort of on, on as we mentioned, uh, um, who I refer to as Donna from Neighbours because that's all I was <laughs> at the time. Um, obviously, now she's, you know, Hollywood A list. Yes. Going to be Barbie, Margot, Robbie. Um, <laughs> to the point where we were watching it, and I was like, that Donna from Neighbours. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> has but, she um, not been in should, has she not been in something else before that she might no I think this was like the first notable film and then I think after that it was Wolf of Wall Street and that Will Smith film and alright okay then I, I think it was she... Suicide Squad she might have been in something else as well this was the first thing I saw her in outside of Neighbours this is the this is the first time that I've noticed that her accent doesn't stick the entire time there's times where she says like um, I've not seen like I've not seen you for ages or something. You just suddenly hear like I'm not seeing you for ages. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> do do we think in the house when he asks her out and she says if he'd asked at the beginning and then he or you know part way into the month and he goes back a month, does then is she letting him down gently or is she leading him on? Um, because because I've got a note later on of like is Charlotte just kind of awful? Oh. <laughs> uh... I think she was just kind of letting him down gently, gently because she ends up kind of going for him later on, doesn't she? Well, yeah, but I wonder if that's like... I think she's just... I, I don't know. Just, I mean, she's just she's an she's independent woman. She, she dumps her mate to take him out for dinner yeah. instead. Yeah, but so does he. I know. I know. I've got that note as well. He's like dumping he dumps mate But it's funny, though, because he technically goes back and erases that. He erases that whole meeting. Because when he goes, he runs back to Mary and makes the proposal. Uh, she says, oh, go away. Like Before he even gets out, he goes, oh, well, that went wrong. And then he goes back and gets the band and Rory, which means he didn't go out with yeah. Margot Robbie. It means he went and got the band and Rory, skipped out on her entirely, and then came back to the house. So that entire well, whole bit Yeah, is I gone. suppose, he, well, for him, even though it's gone from the timeline kind of thing, for him... You know, he's rejected the rejector kind of thing, which I guess yeah. closely because you know, I'm guessing he went to an all boys school as she was his first great love. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming so. Because <laughs> homeschooled, you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't a kid at that point. No, um, I'm telling you, they they try to make me believe that he's 21 though when Bill Nye tells him that he's got the powers, and I'm going, mate, he's a 30 year old man. Yeah, I suppose it has to cover that timeline. At least it's not like you know he's. 45 playing 21. He's not Howard yeah. Stern playing his college version <laughs> self in private parts. <laughs> he, he's at least got that fresh face Weasley look, hasn't he? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, no, I just I wasn't sure what they were going for with Charlotte. It's like, you know, is, is she, you know, like Catherine Zeta-Jones in High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. It's like, is, is she that, you know, because you're always blind to the awfulness of your first love, because it's always held in your mind Again, like it is in High Fidelity, where it's like, you know, how have I built this person up to be the personification of perfection kind of thing? Yep. I am... Um, I don't know. I think they just needed somebody that was like the kind of opposite of Mary yeah. to show to show that he was better off with her sort of thing. Because she is. She's she's meant to be the, the complete opposite. She's wearing like really 
what they would class as like sexy clothing, which is wearing like suit jackets with low cut tops or whatever, showing a little bit of cleavage. Um, you know, really tight trousers, big high heels, stuff like that. Whereas Mary's in like a frock with a fringe, and you know, it's brown, that, that sort of mou- mousy brown hair. Conversation feels like a fifty-year-old man wrote that. Mm-hmm. That it is weird though hilarious. that girls call their girlfriends girlfriends, but I wouldn't be like, "Yeah, I'm doing a podcast and I'm with boyfriend Tom." Yeah, <laughs> it's when he says it as well. I'm my go boyfriend Rory, who's a boyfriend, boy, and my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I I always just laugh. Like it wouldn't have been that bad when he was saying the thing about gay if he hadn't thrown his hands up at the same time. <laughs> you know, some people might interpret that as gay. <laughs> um, I can see. I can see the glaring problems in this film as well with language yeah, and uh, the fact that there is not a single black face in the entire film until the very last 30 seconds where they show footage in like rooms or yeah. outside a hospital or whatever. I understand those arguments. I get it 100%. Totally understand. Everybody should be represented. But I kind of just chuck that aside for the fact that this film was good the way it was. Like, I just don't fine they could have introduced people of color they could have done away with the language of talking about homosexuality and uh calling people prostitutes instead of sex workers and all this kind of stuff and the fact that this film would 100% not pass the Bechdel test at all no um but i'm sorry i mean i like it i mean if that's an issue Sorry, <laughs> like, no, I just I mean, enjoy it. I think it's a good film. I you just, just have well, to toss I mean, those political things aside. Again, one hundred percent, like you, aware of the issues with it, but and you know the whole girlfriend thing does read kind of awkward. It's meant to be awkward anyway, but it reads a little bit more awkward than it probably was intended to be in the film. But at the same time, I'm also potentially that awkward like you know walking that knife edge of saying the wrong thing at any moment kind of person anyway yeah it's always the danger of talking about anything like this on a podcast yeah and then being like shit i should probably go back and edit that out (laughs) well that's why i just kind of brought it all up as well is because it's it's obvious and that's the things that people point out as well with it like you know there's not a single person of color in this whole film and yet they're meant to be in london and it's like yeah i get it but They've just written an idealistic view of how they see London and that might be wrong, but it works for the film and for the two hours that it's on. I'm so, like, yeah, I suppose it, the one guy at the law firm yeah, is um, an Asian, Asian character. Asian he's also sort. played to be the dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is unfortunate, but... I don't know. You could tie yourself up in knots trying to sort of justify it or or not justify mm-hmm. it but you know address it it I'm is still, what it is at the end of the day yeah, kind of thing. I mean, I'm sorry it's, it's, it's still a wonderful movie that I enjoy so I'm it is because to... it's a beautiful story I mean we should probably get on to the love story bit of it which is the yeah. thing Mary stuff <laughs> I love that they meet in the dark that must have cut a chunk out of the budget <laughs> telling me because <laughs> it's basically an audio play for like three minutes of the film, <laughs> but I do quite Weird. like that. I do love his the anticipation of him seeing her for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's very bold to do a whole scene like that where it's complete darkness. It kind of reminded me of um, uh, the soloist, the film with um, oh, Danny Junior and yeah, um, Jamie Fox. 
Yes, there is a whole scene in that where Jamie Foxx plays music and it just shows you colours the entire time. The whole time the music's on, it's just a variation of different colours moving about the screen. I think I remember that. I've seen that film once a long time ago. Yeah. I think it's I think it's meant to be Downey Jr. shutting his eyes and interpreting what the music looks like. Um yeah, cool. and it's all this stuff like flying around. And I always remember seeing that in the cinema and being like, God, that's really bold to do that for like a solid like five minutes. You know what I mean? And I always think that with that bit and about time as well. Like there's a solid like three to four minutes where it's just characters interacting and you can't see a thing except yeah. from the occasional little flash of light, and that's it. And you think, did they actually shoot like in the dark? Just put set the camera up and have people like go about because that no, restaurant it's, is it's a black screen. <laughs> yeah, it's a black screen. Yeah, I think there it is, is little... a black screen. I think Can there's little the... flickers of stuff, but it, it yeah. is meant to be. It very much sounds like it's ADR. It's all ADR. Oh yeah, god gotcha. yeah, which makes me think they just be like, just have the screen go black. Yeah, or you know, <laughs> we'll have a camera <laughs> set up in this room with no lights on and. That's what I'm thinking. Is just that it's a camera set up in a room with no lights on. Their dialogue in afterwards, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen, if you don't mind, I can sit you here beside these two young ladies. No, no, sounds absolutely perfect. Oh God, you sound very perky. I am, and very handsome. <laughs> oh, someone's there. Hi. Oh, hi. I'm Mary. I'm Tim. Mary's my mother's name, actually. Oh, does it suit her? Sort of. Although she's sturdy. So Bernard might have been a better fit. <laughs> okay. Oh, something just touched my elbow. That, that, okay, that wasn't me. Oh, no, well, that just makes it worse. If it wasn't you, who was it? Well, it wasn't me, because I touched something else. Yes, and you'll stop that right away, thank you. So, girls, be honest. Who is more beautiful? Oh, I am. Yeah, she is. Excellent. Actually, I look like Kate Moss. Really? No, I sort of look like a squirrel. <laughs> Do you like Kate Moss? I absolutely love her. In fact, I almost wore one of her dresses here tonight. You? No, no, her clothes look terrible on me. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that disappoints me about that is that they lose that moment. Yeah, although I quite like, because obviously he goes off, realises it was Harry's overnight, which we got to talk about Harry as well. <laughs> Wonderful Richard Curtis, extreme side character, played perfectly yeah. by Tom Hollander. Um, yeah, he realizes that Tom's opening night when shit. I love that he goes back. I love his scene with Richard Griffith, the late yeah. Richard Griffith. Like, Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck off, you ginger twat! <laughs> and then it was either it was never Richard Griffith, it was the Richard E. Grant character who blubbed. Yeah, I love that he's got the cue cards. I love how you can just walk backstage just because you know the playwright. Apparently so. Yeah, you can just do what you want. <laughs> but I like that it undoes his meeting with Mary, but he doesn't go back and fix that to fuck Harry over again. I know. He sacrifices that so that, you know, he's sort of friend. And then he has a kind of creepy... Harry's not the warmest character. Yeah. yeah. At the Kate Moss thing, which has Kate Moss boobs in the background for a little while at once. <laughs> for ages. <laughs> um, and just some really clunky dialogue about Kate yeah, very. It just it's, feels um, like a, what was going on at the time that we can, well, you know, who do I know so we can make an exhibition of them? I don't know if it was a Kate Moss exhibition or not, but it's it feels a very what? Richard Curtis plot device thing. 
there was a Kate Moss exhibit um, years ago, but I don't think at that time. It just there was little bits of this film that felt very nineties in that respect of like bringing up Kate Moss and that scene reminded me. Did you ever used to watch Cold Feet? Yes, the very first episode of that where he loses her number because she's written it on the back of his car. Oh window. yeah, and then it's the following Saturday him just sat in the car park of his local Tesco's hoping she'd come. Because mm-hmm. like, I don't know anything about her. I don't know. I don't know. You know, she shops yeah, but... in a local Tesco's every Saturday. Yeah, but at least she knew him. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I do like that he forgets that she won't know him. Yeah, because <laughs> obviously it's like one of the first few times he's, or you know, the first consequential time he's done anything. Yeah. So he, he obviously doesn't fully understand the rules, or because he's generally surprised that she won't know. Him. I do quite like his thing of like, oh no, shit, you won't know me. But then he says a name, and that creeps her out. Yeah, and it amazes me that they a let him continue to hang around with them, b give him their address, <laughs> or a friend very free were given that. It's like no, but specifically, where was it? Well, twenty nine, blah 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 blah. <laughs> I did, did love not that... know this person. I did love that um, Rupert gets uh, dissed by Tim when he comes out of the house. So they, they, Mary's ended up with another guy and, and amongst that time that he's been waiting Rupee. on her in the gallery. Yeah, Rupee. Um I mean, he's called Rupert. He's wearing a fucking scarf indoors. Yes, not, he is. Not a scarf scarf, one of those little fucking yep. cotton scarves. And he also calls her Pookie Face, which is yeah. ridiculous. Um, but he, you know, he then goes back, destroys them ever having got together goes to the uh, party, meets um, Mary, asks her if she wants to go out um, it, to have no a meal. No point does the story ever come up of, like, how did you meet? It's like, no, no, you said you were her friend when you walked into the party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like um, the whole thing's on a knife edge of a lie. <laughs> yep. Uh, but he uh, he walks in, gets her, and then as he's leaving, Rupert's making his way in for the first time where he would have met her and saying, like, hey, hey, or whatever, the ball. Or and a Tim guy, just, or whatever it is. Yeah, and Tim just, you know, not an arsehole. Yeah. But... <laughs> Tim slyly slides in. Oh, what a dickhead. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, like, like, he's, yeah. Yeah, it's like, he's done nothing. Like, <laughs> Unbelievable. And, Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, him luring her out with more than one star, that's the kind of shit that only works in a Richard Curtis. Yes. Because <laughs> in real life, you'd be like, I have no idea who the fuck you are, you creepy weirdo. You've suddenly started talking about Kate Moss. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and saying the exact thing that I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a red flag, isn't it? All right, Darren Brown, what's happening here? <laughs> um, I do like the meal, the conversation they have during the meal. Yes, it's like at cross purposes, but at the same time, <laughs> it's the whole the thing. Same of like, you read for a living. It. It's like if somebody asks you to breathe and then get paid for it. <laughs> I've often wondered, like you know, if you read at home, is that does that feel like work? Well, I've often wondered with prostitutes. If... <laughs> do you, you often know, think they, about they prostitutes all day? <laughs> <laughs> I do like a whole thing about how many prostitutes did you survey? <laughs> <laughs> But I do like that. It's a, it's a nicely written and nicely played scene. Yep. Um, the first date funny. sex is quite amusing as well. It's quite funny because she actually says that her pal looks like a prostitute. Yeah. Um, in the restaurant on the first meeting, um, is that whole thing of like, oh, and is she rather Travis? No, she basically looks like a prostitute. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. <laughs> I like that his friend is basically a sex pest, but it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, and called Jay. Yeah. 
which just made me think of the in between us. Like <laughs> straight away. Like he's a sex pest that goes about like, oh, this is who he got with. <laughs> I, I do like the montage as well in the tube station of, mm-hmm. like, of their relationship forming. <laughs> I do love when her parents turn up. It's like, are we having sex? I'm like, yes, but not oral. <laughs> then when she tells her parents that he is in fact living there, he's like, but don't worry, we're not having oral sex. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, excuse me, woman. <laughs> It's Richard it's Curtis so has always been great at the weird little sort of one-liner things. Yep. And the uh, he's a liners. good writer. He is. He is a good writer. Even even if there is um, an element of uh, I don't know strangeness or <laughs> misogyny, or, or basically, um, he is a good writer. He does he does write very good scripts. Like he does. Um. And from all intents and purposes, uh, all these actors seem to very much enjoy having a Richard Curtis script yeah, and acting within the films as well. I don't think any of them ever had a, a genuine problem. I don't know, but as far as I know. No, I think, I mean, it's that idealised middle-aged white man fantasy of yeah, Britain, life, your circle yeah. of friends kind of thing. And it's it's all bullshit, but you've, I mean, any rom com's fucking bullshit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, it's you just kind of have to go along with it. It's just, yeah, it's uh, it's complete escapism. It's a pro- it's proper escapism in that respect. That it does. It, it's just it's complete lie from start to finish. But it's entertaining. Like even the family relationship is fucking bullshit. Nobody's got yeah. a family like that. No, nope, not at with, all. With the kooky uncle who can't remember anything. Just hanging about the house. Yeah. I, I do remember the first time we ever watched it, we kept waiting for something to drop. We we were watching it being like, oh, this is going to be the bit when like the uncle turns out to be like a bloody rapist or something. You know yeah. what I mean? And it wasn't until we got to the end we went, oh, no, it's just a nice film. <laughs> like, it's just, oh, because cause it's that whole thing. You, you get so caught up in the fact that like every film now has a twist. Or has like a, a character that turns bad or something like that, you know, or has something that just randomly happens out of nowhere, like, oh, and now this is the part where the main character gets assaulted. And you're like, what? Even going back to like Pretty Woman with yeah. George from Seinfeld, turns mm-hmm. out to be an attempted rapist. Yep. Um, even Back to the Future. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, but... it's never sat right with me that it's like, hey, remember when you tried to break my girlfriend in school, you can clean my car now. Yeah. <laughs> Like, even no, as a kid, I was like, this doesn't feel right, but I don't know why, because I'm just a child. It's never sat well with me either. And then he then he becomes rich and keeps her as like a slave anyway. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, okay. It's... Um, but, I mean, there's none of that in this. Like you say, it's just a nice film. Yeah, it's just a nice film from start to finish. But I kept waiting for that to drop. There's that whole bit when his sister's speaking to... My uh, Kit Kat's speaking to Desmond. And... Uh, what is it he said that says like oh um it's about the relationships or something she's like oh that's not really happened like that in my experience uh boys aren't very good to me and he's like oh is it not darling and it was just like there was like a weird tension between the two of them at that point that was yeah. like oh. um but then just that was it it moved on from there which is like oh okay that's fine um but we kept thinking that we're like oh is this going to be a weird bit where they say that Kit Kat and Desmond, like something's going wrong. I mean, it's like, oh, but no, that no, was that. That's it, because sort of the downward spiral of Kit Kats 
again in another film it would turn out that Uncle Desmond was molesting her or something like yeah. that. Or, you know, Bill Nye was beating her as a kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is just a genuine like, even like her crashing the car, alcoholism and all that stuff is the very idealized fantasy of it. Yeah, yeah might add we're, a we're girl gonna sit at the side of your bed until and then everything's sorted. Yeah, a girl, <laughs> a, a girl who was drink driving gets into a car accident that could have possibly killed her and the other person in the car doesn't get arrested. Yeah. At all. <laughs> I think the family's got money. So. I think so. <laughs> um, but alluding to that as well, the whole thing of the money thing, um, he says that he didn't chase money in that, um, but he clearly did something somewhere because there is a line in it where he says, not all of us... He's like... Uh, was it that only gets reserved for the, um, oh god, what is it again? He says something like that only gets reserved for the, um, fifty-year-old people who retire oh, the early. The time traveler with cancer who retires at fifty. Yes, to to spend more time with his family, and I'm thinking like, so is that a hint that he knew he had cancer in the the sort of future, his future, because he's obviously lived his life. And this is him coming back to him now and saying, like, I don't know. I think that's the the time travel thing that's, it's like, does kid Tim, when they go back to share that day again on the beach, now remember that he in the future will be able to time travel? In which case, when his dad tells, it's that kind of shit that makes you go cross eyed. (laughs) Well, that, that, that little line made me think that. I mean, Kit Kat and Tim had been born by that point, so he wouldn't have mucked anything up if he went back. So yeah. it makes me think that he did go back to retire at fifty because he knew he was going to die. Yeah, that's the only thing. Possibly. That's that was the only thing that I thought about, and that wasn't like mucking about with things like big style like that. I know what you mean, like going back when he's a kid, and then he's like, "Oh, he knew all along, or whatever." Um, you've got to kind of suspend that, but that little line in there did make me think that that was why he retired at fifty in the first yeah. place. And that tied in with the start when he was like, "Oh, you know, he managed he to retire." Had, he clearly 50. had a decent job, so I yes, guess it's clearly. one of those movie jobs that pays really well. Means you can afford a big house in Cornwall. And did he not say he was a lecturer or something? Possibly, I, I can't remember. But again, remember. movie lecturers seem to get more money than real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's it, like no. the it always used to be the go-to thing if you had like a thrill or something where somebody was investigating something that never seemed to be at work. It's because they were an architect, and architects yeah. just like do some drawings and fuck off. The only they barely real... work architects, if you believe movies. The only realistic movie lecturer there's ever been was Michael Caine in Inception because he's a ninety-year-old man that's still working. <laughs> <laughs> I always looked at that and went, yeah, that makes sense. He's a guy that can't retire What's because he literally or, wouldn't or, have more educated Rito or he's just fucking drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the attempt to save Kit Kat with the going back in time. Mm-hmm. Oh my I'm god. Not, I'm not sure if being able to take somebody back in time would hold up to the scrutiny of the logic of the film, but no. And you know, if if you can do it, would you not take your wife back in time? Let her know you can do it. But then, mm-hmm. does that raise questions within your relationship? It's like, did you manipulate me into this relationship? Exactly. Than... Exactly. It's that's why they can't discuss it. <laughs> but my big question is: Did you pick this film for the line "I'm not taking my pants off for Scotland"? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I did think that and went, that's not fair, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I take I take my pants off for Scotland every day. <laughs> I'm always hesitant that I'll sound like a lechy bloke. We came up with Moonstruck as well. But Rachel <laughs> McAdams is fucking lovely in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she's written to be that. It was originally meant to be Zoe Deschanel. Oof, no. She had to God. drop out for a schedule and thing, but I cannot see anybody else in this. No, that would have been... I think that would have made the film awful. I, I think I, I it would have been the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. It's fine, that she that would pretty have been... much done it in 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, exactly. It would have just been 500 Days of Summer 2. Um, oh, God, imagine that. Zoe Deschanel's like weird, drolly, Ellie accent. Ugh. Instead of Tom, it's a Tim. No. It's... God, that would have been terrible. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, Rachel McAdams is perfect for this. She's lovely, and I love the two when, like, Tom, uh, Tim sees her for the first time, and yep. then when he sees her again, it's her first time, but again, it's like he's seeing her again for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's so well done. You genuinely buy that he instantly just fallen in love with her. I think those two just play being in love with each other perfectly. They've got amazing chemistry. Amazing chemistry, yep. Even the simple bit when they're unpacking in the new house and he's sitting reading the magazine. Yeah. He's doing the, the typical thing that anybody does when you know, they get caught up in something and she just goes, hey, come on. Like, put that down. Like that it's bit basically there, me like, sorting the loft. It's like, I'll yeah. look at a box and be like, oh, I haven't looked at this for fucking ages. Yeah. And he actually goes like, oh, sorry, 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 whatever. But even that, I'm like, yeah, I believe that they're a couple. Yeah. Like 100%. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, And and the conversation about having the insurance, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Just the, uh, you know, why don't we wait and think about it? Because I love that it's weighing on him that it would mean saying goodbye to his dad. Mm -hmm. He'd have like nine months left to being able to see his dad kind of thing. But I just love the way she's like, what about now? <laughs> okay, okay. You know. I do like how he plays that moment of being like, "Yeah, no, let's do it." Yeah, yep. And he says, "You know, he realizes nothing, he has to let go of the past. Nothing, nothing might end up happening anyway." Oh, <laughs> it's it's so wonderfully played. Um, that whole um, their wedding as well whole, is really well done. Their wedding is amazing because everything goes wrong. Yeah, it's and great. they don't want to change it. No. The only thing that gets changed is the best man. Yes. Which I do like the variations of the best man. I love, again, Harry's one of When he first asked me to be his best man, my first question was, how are you going to pay me, you little fucker? (laughs) (laughs) And I like Rory's thing about the joke, but he's got to set up the legal terms and everything. And obviously, Jess with the scale of the women. (laughs) Yeah. This one. Five was oral, eight was full (laughs) on penetration. And then you got the perfection of Bill Nye's. But he said five was oral. And then a girl at the back, like, tips yeah. her head. And I went, he's got a girl at his wedding who gave him a blowjob. I was like, what is going on? Who is this girl? You should always have a girl at your wedding that's giving you a blowjob. <laughs> not necessarily yes. the one you're marrying. I'm not going to. I was going to say, yes, your wife. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Bill Nye's one. Oh. And, he, he and the fact he goes back it. and changes it. Oh, when he changes it, though, it's perfect. Yeah. Rory, um, when Tim asked me to be his, his best man, um, I was terrified. So I thought the um, best thing is to find a book about speeches. And um, 
Here it is. <laughs> and um, it says, think of really funny anecdotes. Um, and there is a very hilarious story, actually, from work. Um, it, was, it was quite a complicated case based on an issue of cross-amortisation of um, ownership of post-divorce properties. And um, uh, let me just explain the context. Uh, the defendant... When Tim asked me to do his best man speech, my immediate reaction was, uh, how much are you going to pay me, you little shit? I don't write for free, you know? These were the girls available to him at that time. Hello, girls. And this is how far he got with each of them. Let me explain the code. Five, blowjob. <laughs> Eight, full, penetrative. And so, uh, a toast to the man with the worst haircut, but the best bride in the room. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim and Mary. I wish I'd said I love you. You did, Dad. It was implied. I'm not sure implied is good enough for a wedding day, are you? No, don't, don't do it. It's fine. I'm so, I'm so happy with it as it was. You really don't have to. I'll do what I want to do, young man. Will you excuse me for just one moment? Later on, I may tell you about Tim's many failings as a man and as a table tennis player, but important first to say the one big thing. I've only loved three men in my life. My dad was a frosty bugger, so that only leaves dear Uncle Desmond, B.B. Um, King, obviously, and this young man here. I'd only give one piece of advice to anyone marrying. We're all quite similar in the end. We all get old and tell the same tales too many times. But try and marry someone kind. And this is a kind man with a good heart. I'm not particularly proud of many things in my life, but I am very proud to be the father of my son. Absolutely perfect. I'm not proud of a lot of things in my life, but I'm certainly proud of my son. I'm like, <laughs> the only thing that you don't get to see is his relationship with Kit Kat beyond, like, you know, little moments like when they're waving him off and Kit Kat gives him yeah. the finger. <laughs> you don't get the feeling that there's that relationship between father and daughter like there is father and son. You, you kind of at times are kind of like, you know, I kind of see why Kit Kat fucking drinks. Well, that's what I was thinking. She did say, like, she's maybe uh, I'm the faller. There's yeah. always one in a family and uh, I could be it. And I think, well, no wonder she feels that way because all the focus is on Tim. Yeah. I think focus... that, that's potentially just the focus of the story rather than. Yeah. She is neglected. Um, yeah, because she's able to go back to the house at any time. Her mum's clear mum clearly loves her. Yeah. And she goes absolutely bolting in to see her dad when she finds out all that. You know, when they're at the funeral, like she's crying on her mum like crazy and she's calming her down and stuff. Like she doesn't shout at her. She doesn't say, like, oh, get over it. Or you know, even though her mum oh, that line about like my mum's called Mary, or does it say her yes? Although I think that uh, a more rougher name like Bernard would be more suited. <laughs> Although she's very sturdy. <laughs> she's great as well. She's she brilliant. Is. Yeah. 
She plays a total hard ass mum. Very no just... fucks given mum, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Welly's on a, a wax jacket in the garden. You know, cup of I tea. The, that's it. I love the bit at the end where he says about life returning to normal, and he's trying to slip past her. She just hands him the punnet so that she can start. Yeah, <laughs> you got to hold it while she's doing the garden and stuff. <laughs> it's a, I do love as well when he leaves to go to London for the first time. <laughs> Uncle Desmond gives him like a couple of quid and tells him not yeah. to spend it all at once. Like two pounds fifty. He's like, there you are. <laughs> um, which we'll, we'll briefly go to it. Um, he moves in with Harry. <laughs> I love the frustration of Harry. <laughs> you know, he just had an idea when he rang the door. Yeah, I love him talking it, around the house. It's like, That's my daughter. You can fuck her if you want. Everybody else has a marry. It's the. It's the. <laughs> It's the face when he comes up to the door, like proper big smile. And then, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and when he's at the wedding and the aunt asks for the autograph, it's like, I'm at a wedding for fucks. I see I'm you've not going to my... put my scribble on a bit of paper just so you can sell it on fucking eBay. I see you've met see my you've... aunt May. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> People should have fucking name tags. <laughs> Very much how I feel at a wedding. He was so good. He was so good. Tom Hollander was incredible. Tom Hollander's great. He's one of those underused hidden weapons. Yep. The the face that he gives when everybody, like when the tent bursts at the wedding, everybody goes walking in and he is soaked and he's like the last one stropping in behind them. Just like, like his <laughs> and he gives the just... umbrella to the woman because he just cannot yeah. be fucked with it. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> I had the first good thought in six months, and now it's gone, you little shit. <laughs> it's when yeah, obviously takes... Tim's left halfway through the play to save the play, but he will never know that. He's like, oh, yeah. there you are. He fucked off halfway through the play and missed the best scene. And then just turns to the person back to them and just goes, so what did you think? <laughs> so what did you think of the scenery? I thought it was fucking shit. Too brown. <laughs> I like his final little thing where he's just walking down the street in his dressing gown and lobbing the bottle in the bin. Yeah, and then almost hits a boy in the face. <laughs> I um, I did get a good laugh out of him, though, because he, <clears throat> he says that he doesn't like Tim's dad. No awful weird guy, blah, blah, blah. But he comes to every family event at the wedding, he's there being like, this is a hateful day. That's um, the funeral, isn't it? That's, yeah. I love his delivery of that line where she's like, how are we all doing then? Or are we all okay? And he's like, no, it's a fucking hateful day. Yeah, yep. He he says it's like so good, like they're all thinking it. And he's just like, well, somebody's got to say it. You know, no, hateful day. But we're going to get through. You know what I mean? And he's just so good. He's that. He's that miserable character that you would always have to have around because he actually loves being there. He just acts miserable all the time, you know. Yeah. Um so good. He even turns up to the baby shower thing and he says he was tricked. You're like rubbish. <laughs> Told there'd be free booze. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate children. <laughs> so I do good. like I mean he's that cliche, isn't he, of the playwright? Yeah, he is. That thing with his wife. Um, um, my, there's my wife. She's the, be- the best person in the entire planet, which is obviously why she left me. <laughs> What's it? How does he describe Tim's mum? He says, does she still look like somebody? Oh, I am. Um, a man, I can't remember now. 
Yeah, I, I thought I'd written it down and I hadn't. There's so much goes on in that film, first Harry scene. I can't remember as well. It, it isn't this person, but it's somebody like fucking Warzel Gummidge or something. Yeah, yeah, it isn't it's that. It's yeah, like it that. But it, again, he's very much he's like the Reese fans character from Notting Hill, isn't he? But just yeah. on the opposite end of the scale. Yeah. Um, Anytime somebody mentions Risa Vance in Notting Hill, I can't help but think of him going, you daft prick. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, the whole thing, you daft prick. It's, it's, it's that and chicks love grey. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, um, and it's like, it's a massive cliche, but the trying on the different dresses scene, Massive yes. cliche, but I've been there. I can completely relate. <laughs> and I some things love... are cliches for a reason. Yes, I also I love do love the... Comes... It's a trick, isn't it? It's the same dress as the last yeah. one. No, it's different. Because I've also <laughs> been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's her coming in in the slip. And he's like, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Like. Yeah, it's like, no, this goes on underneath. You bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was good between those two as well because that's like a really intense, serious moment where it's just totally stressing and yet they're still having a wee laugh between each other. You know what I mean? Although as a parent, I was like, you're completely neglecting your fucking children. I was thinking that. And you pay for it. And they were like three floors up as well. Yeah. I was like, you are not hearing a single thing if anything goes wrong. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as a parent, there's the stuff that plays differently. I can imagine. It's, like I say, the to be able to go back and like spend a day like he did with him on the beach. And the fact yeah. that he could share it with him as well. Which I don't know if that's yeah. weird. Is it like young him but old him? Yeah, well I mean it's old it, him's it, brain, it, isn't it? It would be. So it's it's kind of weird, but just to sort of But I think it always but I do I love that... that whole thing as well of at the end him like living a day out day yeah. just all the worst of it, and then going back and living it again exactly the same, mm-hmm. but being aware that. of the little idiosyncrasies of the day. It's as he then says that later on as well that he doesn't go back anymore and he just tries to live each day as if he's already went back. And that's the little bit of, about like trying to live out life as best you can. That's it, isn't it? That's his line of you know, we're all time travelers, yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing, is you're at the end of the day, it's what nostalgia is, isn't it? We've all sat there on eBay looking at shit we used to own. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm wasting so much fucking time doing this. Either yeah, buy exactly. that fucking He-Man figure or piss off. Yep, yep. It's yep. Like, you know, and that that's kind of. What, I mean, it is. It's the weird thing that nobody tells you when you become a parent. Like you're essentially watching your child disappear as they grow. Yeah, but my eldest is not the little boy I lived with for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weirdly. I mean. There's bits in this film that were rough anyway. Obviously, cancer's been something particularly brutal in our family. And that, and we didn't get an insurance baby either as much as we wanted an insurance <laughs> baby. Because my wife then had cancer, it meant we couldn't have an insurance baby. So yeah. there's always that thing in my head of the child I never had. Mm. And, you know, it's both weirdly heartbreaking and it's kind of sound weird, but kind of nice. There's like this yeah. idealized child that will only ever exist in my imagination, kind of thing. Yeah. 
I know that sounds just, fucking stupid and it's a weird no, thing to put on this film, but no, but like, those two bits hit me really hard every time. But it's a strangely relatable film for that that for that case, you know, even with its um idealistic outlook throughout the entire film and with the fact that it's about time travel, it's actually quite relatable in places yeah. with, with certain certain bits and bobs. And it's because it's just moment capturing from from scene to scene. You know, it's it's not every single aspect of, of life. That's the thing. People say like, oh, it's the most idealistic view in this, this entire film. It's like, yeah, but you're only getting like 15 minute snippets of each part of this person's life. You know, that's been years worth that's happened in it. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's like the amount of jobs you look at in a film that seem cool. It's like, yeah, but you're yeah. seeing like 15, if you're lucky, minutes of that job. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, you're not the, getting the stress of like the 16 hour days or. Yep. If they showed you the full thing, it would involve him taking the bins out and yeah. <laughs> dropping stuff on his feet and. You know, catching his hand in a car door, his kid falling over and scraping their knee, and you know, all this kind of stuff. You don't I've, need to I've see got that. a lot of time for gritty realism in the right movies, but this isn't the movie that I want gritty no. realism in. This is the exactly. movie I want to watch and just switch off and escape and yep. you know, project my own shit onto things. <laughs> it's so good. Like, it always makes me at the very end, though, question like just existence in general, but not in a bad way. I, I look at it and I actually go, like, it's 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 one of them that makes me think. You know, life isn't that bad after yeah. all. With everything that happens and all the shitty stuff that goes on, and you know, jobs gone, people gone, all this kind of stuff. You're like, it's part of it. Like, yeah. we're still here. Like, we're still there's still things to live for. There's still things to go on for, and that's what it kind of gets across in its message as well. Is like with even with its trials and tribulations along the way you can still live out a really great life with those that are around you and that you love, and that's it. Well, it's what he tells him in the first thing after he's time-travelled for the first time is that life's a mixed bag. Yeah. That you can't fix things kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I do think it's a terrible oversight to not mention once your like child has their first child, kind of like you can't go back in time before the birth of your yeah. child. <laughs> should probably point that out because you know it will bollocks everything up. <laughs> you will end up with an ugly little boy with curly hair. Who, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's pleased to see you. You will reject <laughs> straight away. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I mean, it is. I mean, it's a slight movie, but it's wonderful with it. And the time travel, you really kind of forget it's a thing. It it's doesn't completely... every so often, but it's just... But you know it's coming as well. That's the thing. You go, okay, we're going to rectify this situation. Even when he's with Mary and he's trying to get out of the room, you're going, let him out of the room just so he can fix it. And then, obviously, the phone call comes, so he's like, well, I'm not going to fix this. Like, this is what it is now. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, which then shows you the other aspect of you can't go back and fix some things. Well, Some no, things that's you've just got let happen. I mean, it's also you know shit like that pales in comparison once you've got that news. Yeah, you exactly. can get another proof copy or whatever it is to read, and mm-hmm. exactly, it's like I say when he gets that phone call. That's when I start to fucking choke up. This is yep. one of the films that I do cry at. Not necessarily mm-hmm. sad crying. It's it's a weird sort of like you know. Because it's the happy moments that make you cry, isn't it? It's the scene on the beach. It's the final yeah. ping pong game. 
it's a it's it's a mixed bag of emotion for it. it Uncle Desmond saying that your dad said he loved me. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) You know, I'm not ashamed to admit I cry at films. I cried at the I cried at the start of this film this time. <laughs> Literally, we're just getting into it, and I was going, "God, this is just this is so nice." <laughs> I miss nice film. Yeah, the other thing There's so many, like you say, so many films now have to be like you know, and then he's killed in a horrible car accident. Because fuck, these people can't be happy. Yeah, it's like um, uh, the Notebook. Like the whole way through it, you're kind of like, you know, this is a really nice story of two people, and then it's like, oh no, it's about Alzheimer's. Yeah, like, fucking Christ! Oh, it's great. <laughs> I still love it. I still love it, man. Honestly, I still love it because it's, it, it, it's Rachel it's, McAdams again, isn't it? It is, but it's the only film that has made me full blown stop the film for half an hour whilst I grit, like sobbing. It was ridiculous. It got to the bit when. You know, the big reveal happens and I'm going (laughs) Just couldn't help it. Just like when Gosling grows up to be James Garner. (laughs) Still handsome, but totally not him. (laughs) (laughs) This this one I don't know why I've never seen it. It's I think it was one of those films that it got so hyped that I just can't be fucked with it. It's very sentimental. See, I've got nothing against. I've got nothing against sentimental, sappy films. I'm quite. If I'm in the mood for it, I'm quite happy to go along with it. I mean, this film, I'm quite happy to go along with it. Yeah, I think if you, I think if you're looking for a really good cry and just something that's just, just absolute, like what would be classed as just like, um, rom com fodder. Not even rom com. Sorry, just romantic fodder. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just kind of, that kind Nicholas of crying, crying, thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Nicholas it's, Sparks. It is a Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, yeah, it is a Nicholas Sparks. It's, it's, it's usually a guy builds a boat and yeah, something and... tragic happens. In this one, he's building a house, but fair enough. Um... <laughs> it's usually a boat. It's usually like, you know, <clears throat> one mess, message in a bottle's one as well, isn't it? At least it's not the least it's not guy the one... builds a boat, takes it out to sea, dies. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not the one where it was like, oh, it was the guy's wife and she was dead all along. Oh. Yeah. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? We watched we watched that one. I can't remember what it was called, but it got to the end and it was like, "Oh, Pal was actually the guy's wife all along, and it and she was a ghost." And both of us looked at each other like, "Oh, fuck off!" It's <laughs> <laughs> a load of shit. It was that weird thing, wasn't it? It was snapped up every Nicholas Sparks book, and they were a bit like John Grisham. It's like it always reminds me of that um, third rock from the sun gag. It's like. They're all reading different Grisham books, and they're like, "Our oh, mind's about this plucky young lawyer who discovers this thing." Like, my team, why did they all just swap books? Yeah, part <laughs> way into it. <laughs> That's very much how I think those Nicholas Spark ones are, because, like, I say, yeah. he's usually you know a surly, quiet man who works with his hands and it's 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 uh, lost his Jesus, wife or his girlfriend. Or it's always a Jesus allegory of some sort. That's that's what it is. It's religious, a, a religious allegory of some sort. But um, I, I'm sure Nicholas Sparks is there fanning himself with his money, being like, oh, "I'm yeah. sorry, you have a problem with me just <laughs> doing the same story over and over again." Oh, I, I don't mind people making stuff like that either. It's just like Mills and Bin's books. Yes. They've got a mark. They've got a market, and they've got a fan base. So why not? Um, 
by um, yeah, but the the note the notebook was really good, and like that, it's another Rachel McAdams. So you get to watch her acting her fucking ass off, and she's yeah. amazing. And Ryan Gosling, so you, you ride that cash cow while it's fucking going because it won't mm-hmm. last forever. So exactly, but if you can get a good um, ten years out of people adapting your books into movies, go for it. Yep, but the, definitely two um, two solid McAdams films. Yeah, uh, no notebook and about time, definitely. <laughs> I say I like her so much in this film, though I don't know if I'd struggle with her as somebody. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think she's of her as the same person as like you know Doctor Strange or no ever that one she did with Harrison Ford was morning uh, something morning glory, which is bomb. I thought it was that, but then I thought am I getting it mixed up with getting a boner? <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what it is. <laughs> um. She uh she also did that uh Woody Allen one. Was that uh, Oh she did, which one was that? It was Midnight Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris. Right? Yeah. Um she's in that and she plays Dog Bitch in that as well. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, one of those oh. Woody Allens that I'm like, do I like this? Oh, I actually really enjoyed it. I don't know, like me and me and the other half both watched it. And, I need to uh, watch it again. I I think I struggled to get along with Owen Wilson. I, I like see, Owen I, I, Wilson a lot more now. I didn't like Owen yeah. Wilson at the time because it was at that time that it was like Owen Wilson's in fucking everything. Yeah, yeah. If if, if a movie has a white background and red writing, then guaranteed Owen Wilson was going to be in it. Yeah, you know, Wedding Crashers, Joe Bit Taylor, that kind of thing. Marty and me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, another one that I can't I can't watch. No, um, guess that's it. Point it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which I watched uh, that not long ago. Thought it was all right. Okay, it's not bad. Again, it's it's that generic mid two thousands comedy shit, but yeah, it was fine. Um, wow. <laughs> no, I do keep thinking I should do a Woody Allen rewatch at some point. I know it's controversial, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Woody Allen films I like. I just like Owen Wilson because he's stuck with Wes Anderson for so long. There's clearly an arty side to him. He just does all of those other ones to pay the bills. You know I mean? Yeah, the one that turned you know, me so he enjoys them. The one that turned me around on Owen Wilson was my youngest wanted to watch the film Wonder. With... Oh, Wonder. Oh, what a I movie. love that film. And how great is Owen Wilson as a dad so in Oh, good. Yeah, so He's good. that idealised movie dad again. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. so good in it. That's a great film. That, and that really film. turned me around on Owen Wilson. I was like, Actually, I think I might have been being a little bit harsh on Owen Wilson. Really bugged me that they got the kid like covered in makeup because we genuinely thought it was an actor with the deformities. Yeah. And then, and then it was like, you saw the actual kid and we're like, Oh, like he's like pretty boy, like a little boy. It was like, okay. yeah, it's the kid from room, isn't it? Not the room room. Yes. Yeah. And that one with the three boys, the dirty one. Yeah. And I can't remember what it's called. The one who has a horrible death scene in Dr. Sleep and is the reason I won't watch that film. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, but that's that's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say Wonder's a bit time. like Wonder's a bit like this. It's just one of those nice feel good movies that that has slightly more like trials and tribulations in it though. That's got the yeah. bit with the the sister that's like she's been neglected, but she tries not to be the best she can, and obviously the mum has all the issues with looking after him and kind of giving her whole life over to him sort of thing. Like, there's little bits in that, and, like, him being bullied and stuff like that as well. 
Um, I do love the bit where he's sitting with the kid at lunchtime. Well, on a completely different film now, but he's <laughs> sitting with the kid at lunchtime and the kid's like, have you ever thought about getting plastic surgery? He's like, why? What do you mean? It's like, this is after plastic surgery. <laughs> it's just such a well-played scene between two kid actors who are not obnoxious and horrible. Yeah, exactly. That kid, that kid's that kid that plays his mate in that film is amazing. I keep yeah. meaning to watch Honey Boy for that reason because he's in it. I know I there's the sh- that's the Shia LaBeouf film. Yeah, it? I know there's the Shia LaBeouf of it all, but yeah, I yeah. think like I said before with like the Woody Allen stuff and that, you just gotta separate it. It's yeah, like you exactly. could never watch a Miramax film again if you're gonna start. Wearing, I know he's not on screen, but it's still in the background of being like, yeah, eh, this is a Harvey Weinstein film, isn't it? <laughs> we always go into this kind of territory, mate. I don't know how. Because <laughs> there's we so do many fucking time. wrongins in Hollywood. <laughs> it's true. We always end up on some sort of it's controversial that thing, figure. Isn't it, of separating the art from the artist. There's some people you can't do it with, but that's generally because the things that they put out are shit. Yeah, R. Exactly. Kelly, for example. <laughs> <laughs> It's like if you told me I couldn't listen to an R. Kelly song ever again, it's like, all right, fine. All right. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll have to turn Space Jam off before the end credits, but that's not a big <laughs> fucking loss. <laughs> you mean I can never listen to Gotham City from Batman and Robin ever again? Damn. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> fine. I'll just I'll just listen to the Me First and Gimme Gimme's version of I Believe I Can Fly. It's fine. <laughs> but sort of Wrapping it up on this one then before we do the uh, like sequel remake question. Um, actually, I think we've pretty much covered it. <laughs> Look at it. Like, I think we haven't really hit it. I think, like I say, for me, as much as I love the love story in it and the Rachel McAdams stuff, she looks amazing in that red wedding dress as well. Also, red wedding dress in general, like amazing. Yeah. What a good shout. Like not having her come down in like the typical. Because when you realise what that is on the poster, it's a massive spoiler. Yeah, I know. Wedding day, (laughs) but you look at the poster without seeing the film. Like it just looks like a nice picture of a couple on a date, but it's kissing it down. And what what a song for them to come down to as well. Armando, (laughs) Jimmy Fontana, amazing. The the best Italian singer who looks like he's got a dead badger on his head. It's just the way he says that, and then he's like, "Oh, you've got the album as well," and he's like, "Look at him on that album." And <laughs> <laughs> let's play some ping pong. Exactly. <laughs> There's that slight Chinese line in that, that I'm not sure about. But the two best sure ping pong players, that... <laughs> <laughs> the, two, two, the the father and son the... combination playing, and none of them are Chinese. <laughs> like, yeah, you're white middle class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just let it slide because you, mm-hmm. you then take a swing at gingers, so it's fine. It's the same with the prostitutes thing as well. When they're going about prostitutes, you're like, you could have just switched out the language and made it sex worker, but it's fine. It yeah. works for the context of the film, to be honest. Yeah, to be fair, I think we all still say prostitute when we probably should. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of nice cameos in this as well. Rich D. Grant and Richard Griffith and as the actors in the play are great. Mm-hmm. I love Rich D. Grant. Rich D. Grant plays choking on stage. Yeah, he does. Even to the point where the actor playing the soldier is looking in like, you are on your fucking own. Yeah, it's his eyes wide open and the, the puffed out cheeks like, Jesus. <laughs> but... I, I think for me the stuff that works the best is the Bill Nye 
Tim stuff. Like I say, I love the relationship stuff, but for me, the meat of this film is the Bill Nye stuff. And he's yeah, not a massive part in it. He's a recurring part, but it's not. It's just such wonderful stuff. He's just a tremendous actor. He is. is. I always think of Bill Nye. It's like, where did you come from? It was like Love Actually, and then Bill Nye was everywhere. He popped up in other stuff, but the the first the first place I ever saw Bill Nye that I can remember seeing him in was the film Still Crazy. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, that was Sky One. I saw that on. Um, that was the first place. That's uh, is that not Jimmy Neal? And yeah, um, Billy Billy Connolly's in it for like a a white hot minute. Yeah, but he's like one of the main ones on the cover on the cover of the video because we rented it's, that from the video shop. Speaking of going back to yeah. our video shop conversation from our screen it's like episode, a, it's like a Tim Healy short of being the entire uh, cast of I'll Feed the Same Pet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's in that, um, and that's the first place I remembered seeing him. I think and, it was that, um, and then I remember seeing him in State of Play. On he's in Underworld as well. Oh, he's in Underworld. I can't remember much of Underworld. I think I've seen two or three of those, but I couldn't tell you which one was which. I absolutely fell in love with them, and I don't know why. I went to see the the first one as a 14-year-old boy with a girlfriend of mine, um, and she had the full ten- intentions of ignoring the film and we'll make out in the cinema, and I went, no, this is cool. <laughs> it's, it's got that whole 2000 thing going on, hasn't it? It's It does. It's vampires, werewolves, and Kate Beckinsale in tight Yeah. <laughs> and I was just getting into like a kind of gothy, uh, m- like rock moshery period, and was like, oh, it's God, it's got like a perfect circle in the background, like in the music. This is amazing. <laughs> is that David Bowie? Yes. <laughs> it's um, that post Matrix, post Blade. Yeah, they're all wearing long mashup of perfection yes. of like you know this they're- is what gothy horror looks like. Yep, it is, like, it is like putting the Matrix and Blade together because they're all wearing long coats, they've all got white skin, it's all like under this blue tint haze uh, tone over the camera. It's all gothic and metal, and uh, there's lots of like gun, gun, blah, gun fu in it as well. You know what I mean? It's like, yep, definitely. This is this is the way to go. <laughs> I love that brief, like early 2000s period. Can we put them in long black coats? Yes, so, equilibrium. Yeah, here's your money for after what I was about to say. Here's your money for equilibrium. <laughs> Amazing. So you want to do a shaft remake? Anywhere in a long black coat. <laughs> here's your money for your shaft remake. I love all of those films because of that. <laughs> and then but after yeah, the Matrix was... films were done, they were kind of like, what can we put Keanu Reeves in there where he can wear a long coat? Constantine? Yeah. Constantine? Yeah, can we make it a black coat? <laughs> not not super long, but you know. <laughs> It's so weird. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to see what um what else he was in, um because I can think of I can think of him being in. Um, like I say, a lot of the stuff I can think of is post, still crazy, and then like really smashing onto the scene with Love Actually. It must have been yeah. stuff between that I'd seen him in. I can't remember when State of Play was the TV series. No, because I'm sure he was the editor of the newspaper in that. He was apparently in Guesthouse Paradiso, but I can't remember him being in that. Oh, I don't, that's one film I never made it all the way through. I saw that. I saw that a lot. That came out just kind of the same, at the right kind of time. It was one of those, just feels like bottom made by bottom fans rather than. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, 
all the best hits from the TV series, literal hits in some cases. Oh, he was in that blue dry as well. Oh, the Josh Hartnett one. Yeah. That's a fucking reach, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I forgot, I forgot what he was in that as well, though. I remember um, quite enjoying that film. Can't tell you a thing about it other than it's a hairdressing competition. No, well, the funny thing is, um, Mother Half mentioned it the other day and said, oh, blow dry. And I went, I've watched that. I was like, but I can't for the life of me remember a thing about it. I might even own it on DVD. Because <laughs> I uh, went through yeah. a spate of just buying any old shit on DVD. From from there, mate, you were right. It was uh, it was basically just a directory of um, still crazy state of play, Underworld, and then Love Actually. And then it was like, right, here we go. You know, Shaun of the Dead, Hitchhikers, stuff like that. Oh, of course he was in Shaun of the Dead as well, wasn't he? Yeah. That's, That's a good boy. I say, he's just one of those wonderful actors that you wonder where the fuck he came from. Yeah, he does loads of voiceover. He turns up as just little parts in like TV shows and stuff. It's, yeah, I imagine just... he'd like pop up in lots of TV things that you don't remember. But Yeah, he's, he seems like just a kind of job and actor. Just somebody who literally just wants to do everything and anything. I could say he's fantastic hidden gem of an actor. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, though, if he had to wait to hit that certain age. Well, I think he's always had that kind of skeletal look about him. <laughs> yeah, but it's sort of, I don't suppose it would have worked as a young leading man kind of thing, so he sort of had to wait to hit that little bracket oh, for okay. him. No, I don't yeah, want okay. blow dry on DVD. That's fine. Kind of like a Leslie Nielsen type thing. Enchanted by the younger player, are seduced by memories of the older player's illustrious past. Wow! Oh my God! I've won! I haven't won in years. You finally got good. What's my prize apart from the Olympic gold medal, of course? A kiss will have to do. A kiss. A kiss. Oh. Ah, I get you. This is it, then. This is it. It's my last bit of extra time. The baby is completely on the way. Is there anything at all I can do? Is there anything you want to do? I don't know. There is this one thing. A quick little walk. Totally against the rules, of course. But if we don't change a thing, if we're very careful, it shouldn't do any harm. It would be nice. What would your thoughts be on a sequel or re- I think it's too early for a remake. It's only been ten years. Yeah, no, no. That did no hit remake. me today. Of like, shit, this film's ten years old. I know that kind of hurts a little bit, but that's where, fine. <laughs> where did that go? Uh, but um, I mean, it, it's very much a 
I always ask this question, but it doesn't necessarily mean you want a sequel or a remake. Just no. I, I like the general idea of having the conversation about it because let's face it, I imagine most films now are green lit with the what's the sequel potential on this. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you could leave it open ended, but this is very much one of those films that feels one and done. It is. It is very one and done. And the only way you could do it is him then becoming the Bill Nye type character and telling his son about it. Exactly. Um, and you just I be did, repeating. I did think, like, it's not. A, a, once again, wouldn't want a sequel. Uh, wouldn't want a remake. No way. Leave it as it is. That's it. Um, somebody will probably do it eventually in like years to come. Um, I think most Richard Curtis things have been safe so far. So yeah, hopefully it stays. We're that at way, that but... weird point now, though, where a film from ten, even twenty years ago, doesn't actually seem as old as the eighties. Some of the eighties films look very eighties. You mm-hmm. sort of get into like the mid nineties, and other than the size of their cell phones and mobile yep. phones and some of the fashions. It all feels pretty tight. It's like I can look at 10 things I hate about you and be like, that was made. I don't know whether if I showed it to my son or one of my kids, they'd be like, it still feels fucking old. It it doesn't feel dated. I don't know why, no. but it just doesn't. Um, but I no, because you think to... if you were like, you know, in the 90s looking at a film from the 70s, oh god, yeah, like, this looks fucking old, or even the six, even the 80s, some of them. Like, I, I love feel... Ghostbusters, but it looks very fucking old. I feel like now films look more dated that have just come out than I think the problem now is the technology dates it group. Yeah. It's like you watch a film they'll whip out a laptop and it's like this fucking Sony <laughs> Looks Vio. like a VCR or something. <laughs> it's always Sony Vio. That's yeah. what I always notice. Boom. I'm like, oh my god. Um well, you know, no, they whip out their flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But no, in regards to the sequel, I always thought that if by some chance that it was something that would get done, that they would just do about time, but from Bill Nye's perspective, so it's yeah. his life, um, maybe even before Tim, um, but certainly with the family, like it would just be all of his thing and like him finding out that he's got cancer and having to go back and retire and spend time with his family and stuff like that. But then I thought, like, we've kind of done that, but I think that's. You get everything you need from him from saying that in the film, and just like I say, seeing the books all piling up in his study. Yeah, because imagine that's pretty much was... what he did. He went back, spent time with his family, and then probably went back again. There's probably a timeline where his family, like, he's just always reading fucking books. He's got no yeah. interest in me and family. Because that is the one thing I wonder: is like, does this like cause us the Avengers Endgame thing? Or does this cause yeah, a split timeline? So there's a timeline somewhere where Tim's gone, just neglected his son because he's like, yeah. his daughter. <laughs> there's just multiple. There's, just, there's a whole movie of the resentment between that child and Tim. <laughs> there's multiple universes where uh, Tim and his dad have just walked out on their families and disappeared, <laughs> been be, be declared legally dead. <laughs> Found him seven years later, still in the wardrobe, just clenching yeah. his fist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I do wonder I just... what happened if he walked in. It's like his mum went to hang a shirt up and he's in the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. like Hello, <laughs> that rip him out of the timeline he's gone back to. Uh, the time he's gone back to, what's I know, I don't know How if he disappears or what. Like I say, any time travel thing, you start asking questions. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I just can't do it. Um, 
But no, I think it would just be that. Um, otherwise, like you say, it would have to be like we'd have to wait until Tim's maybe telling his son, and then we follow his son's story. Um, but even then, you could maybe do like a thing where it's like a completely other, different family. Yeah, and um, you find out that it's not just them; they can do it. You know what I mean? They say girls can do it too. You sexist. Yeah. Um, it won't be. It wouldn't be called about time. Actually, it's quite. I've just thought about it there. It's quite an interesting title as well because you literally just remove the e and it becomes about Tim. <laughs> but, uh, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it would be something like, like the the another family somewhere and like they would do an American one, wouldn't they? They would do yeah. an American one, and it would be like a family in America. It only happens to the females, and this girl then goes back and changes it and gets a college degree and meets a man who's on a football team or some shit like that. Yeah, it's like I said, I don't know what you do with a remake that you could do differently, and I don't know what you could do in a sequel that would be interesting because <laughs> this film's kind of got weird final shots. It is literally just the two of them on the phone walking down the street. Yeah, in opposite it, directions. It, it doesn't end with like a big moment or anything like that. It's just got a nice, quiet, mm-hmm. arguably fairly realistic, mundane ending. Yeah, yep. Which I suppose emphasises that he has given up on the time travel and he is just living a normal, mundane life. But well, they not did mundane, the but you know what I mean? Normal. They did the same thing in Love Actually as well, though, where they ended with all the people like meeting and kissing at the airport. And that was yeah. kind of the same thing of like it just showed you random bits around London, the outside hospitals and doctors' places and people on balconies having a kiss and an old couple walking down the street holding hands. You know what I mean? And that was really just showing you the relationships of life, like friends and family yeah. and whatnot. That was I all. It really all was. films go that way, with the exception of the kissing in the rain at the end of Four Weddings, not in Hillens with them on a bench in yeah, yeah. a book. Um, I know he didn't direct those ones, he just wrote them, but but yeah, no, it's just it's a lovely ending, it just feels mm-hmm. a, bit, a bit like a toddy. Yeah. <laughs> but if, then I don't know how you the, would have ended it. There's nowhere there's nowhere else you could have went with it. It's quite good just to be like, and they lived happily ever after as they are. The so, end. You know what I mean? <laughs> well they just lived ever after. Yeah, exactly. They just lived just, their lives. They, they they had a perfectly normal Life like you and I, I suppose. Yep. That, I mean, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about what you'd do if you could travel in time, but I think that's a bit meh. But possibly more interesting is, do you think you would give up time travel at a certain point? I suppose it's always there if you need it, but would it become the thing you don't need to? Do? Mm. No, because. <laughs> uh... <clears throat> I'm forever doing stuff and then going like, oh shit, I wish I'd just done that different. Just even said something differently. Trouble is though, even if you changed it, you'd still know there was that timeline where you said that thing that you thought was yeah. funny. That was the amount, that's the shit. It's never the big shit that plays on your mind, is it? It's always the, why the fuck did I say that? Exactly. That's that's the thing. And that's why I was, I was thinking like, he must go back a lot. Like even when he woke up in the morning, if Mary said something like, you want toast? And he goes, no. He may go, oh, shit, I should have got toast. I'm like, I'll go in the cupboard. And then he like does it again and wakes up and goes, yes, please. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, I just think like 
it's that'd have to be a really big differentiation you would have to make as to what's go backable yeah. and what isn't. You know what I mean? It's like oh, when I say the wrong thing, do I go back and change it? Well, no. I'll only go back and change it if it results in like a huge argument or something. You know what I mean? Or results in me missing the train and not getting to work on time or whatever. Like I'll I'll do it differently then. You know. Well, that's it, because there's also the danger of like going back and, like, say, going back and reliving a day with your kids that was a great day or something. But mm. nostalgia has a wonderful way of playing a day up better in the way you remember it than the way it actually. Yeah. And you could go back and be like, this day was dull as fuck, wasn't it? <laughs> I love my kids, but Jesus Christ, shut up about Minecraft. Fuck's sake. <laughs> it, it's a weird, thing. tricky thing, isn't it? I've just had to watch him play Fortnite for three hours because I went back and watched him for an hour and a half again. <laughs> but in your head, you're like, that was just a really nice time just sitting with my kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, just with your relationship and then being like, Fuck, am I awful? <laughs> oh, shit, is she awful? Because <laughs> I'm reliving this, and, you know. I remember it being a lot nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's, it's got that potential danger for the backward effect, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. I, I I think we've pretty much anything else you want to add on the film or anything. I think we've largely covered it. I think um, nothing really. No, it's just a wonderfully nice film. It, it may is, not be to everybody. It's not going to be to everybody's taste, you know. It's it's in my top ten for a reason because I can sit and just shove it on and watch it at any time. It is such an easy watch, and like I say, it is one of those films that it doesn't matter where it is on telly, you can easily get suckered into it. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely film. It's just a lovely, nice film. Like, inoffensive, really, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Um, unless you're gay. No. <laughs> Hands up in the air. Um, or a Chinese ping pong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, like any Richard Curtis film, you can look at it and find something. Okay, any, blood, any movie, any movie, yeah. Even films that come out now, there's still something that somebody can pick out of it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. That's what well, it is. I mean, nobody's no nobody's fucking perfect. Give anything time, and there's going to be something wrong with it eventually. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, like I say, it's, there's, there's a, it, it's always amused me when you look back at film and like, well, that seems a bit iffy. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like, why did Doctor Venkman go on his date with Dana with all that? <laughs> All those drugs on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. All right, and so before we go, what's going on with you? Uh, that comic smell ticking on. Intention fails. Uh, yeah, we soon just, or well, yeah, we we just recorded that another long ago actually. Um, yeah, that'll be coming up soon. Um, I've got to edit that actually. You've just reminded me. Um, <laughs> I've got an e- no, sorry. I've got <laughs> I've got an episode that's been sitting done for ages, and I just keep forgetting to put it out. Um, which was I think I mentioned it before actually with with you. This is how long it's been sitting in the pipeline. <laughs> um, where we met in lockdown at the end of the drive and had like a miniature comic. That's swap. right. I remember saying yeah, yeah. Well, stop. Still, I've still got that sitting. It's done. The episode's done. <laughs> I've still just not put it out. Um, we've got an ode to Alan Grant. We did um, we did a thing where we worked through like all of his titles that we had and sort of spoke about them and stuff like that. Um, which was nice. That was really nice. I started editing that up a while back, and I really should get that out. Uh, we've got Civil War. Uh, not Civil War. 
Secret Wars. Cool. Um, we did a whole thing on Secret Wars. Uh, oh, now I'm blanking. We've done loads. Honestly, we've done loads. There's there's loads of them just sitting in the can ready to go. And um, I just need to actually get around to sitting down and putting them out. But I'm not in any rush these days. Um, I was always trying to focus and get it out, you know, like every month or every two weeks or whatever. Now I just do it when the time sort of takes me. Um, it's that weird myth that if you get on a schedule, you'll get more listeners. Like, you fucking won't. People will discover it or they won't. It doesn't exactly. matter you come out every two weeks or every week or... Exactly. Like You, you might lose some... some listeners if you promise you're going to stick to a schedule and then not. Don't. But yeah. the amount of podcasts that's just like we drop when we fucking feel like it now, to be honest. Well, I've noticed that with, like, people that do it on the regular and get paid for it and everything. There's, there's, there's Some of them are just like, yeah, it's trouble when I want. I mean, so I was just like, oh, forget it. Like, when it comes up, it's, oh, it's something new to listen to. You don't have to have that something new to listen to every two weeks or a week or whatever, you know. Um, And I'd rather it that way. It's more fun that way. I get to have fun with my pals and you folks get the bonus of listening to it, you know what I mean? Like, and I get the bonus. It's the same with this one. I love doing this. The editing bit, I can take or leave, to be honest. I enjoy the editing bit, and that's why I do. Why it's I just it. it's such a time consuming thing, but it is. Yeah, you're right. It is because it's not like thing. it's something you can do and like you know draw or work on a script or something. You've got to be focused on it. And... Yeah, that that's the that's the art aspect to a podcast, though. I know there's not a lot of sort of art about it, but that's the bit. That's the bit the way you're crafting and creating is, yeah. is doing that is editing up and getting the sound bites to put in and uh, doing your little intros and outros and all that kind of stuff like that's that's the sort of art aspect to it um like recently the the christmas one like i, I got to do a nice little tribute to um alfie to my my dog um yeah without, that was really nice but just without doing like a, a straight up this is dedicated to you know i th- like i kept thinking of that and going like that's awful. Like it just is. I like doing that for certain things because we did one for um, Stephen Walsh and Ian Kennedy a while back, yeah. and I just thought that that was uh, we'll do it straight to the point. Like you know, they did a lot for us, so I really wanted to say thank you. Um, but Alf had been kind of a background character in a couple of episodes and stuff, and I just really wanted to show that that like yeah. there was the little bit. And then the waves are like oh, that clip because I knew what that plays at the beginning, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that bit because I, I knew what it was. I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's it not was... a good look to be walking around with a tear. <laughs> I do it all the time, mate. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, um, the Lois and Clark podcast I listened to finally hit their final episode. I got genuinely emotional listening to it. Oh man. Because like, I've been on this journey with them because obviously it was only four seasons, but it ran yeah, for like yeah. six or seven years, I think, because they had a massive gap in the middle. And I've got to know the host as well. He did the Men in Black episode with me, and he's doing one on oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam's Family Values soon as well. Um, but yeah, I had to message him and be like, I was genuinely emotional. Like, Thanks for bringing, mm. taking me through on this. Because, you know, again, it's that fucking goofy show that you liked as a, yeah, in yeah. the 90s that you don't think anybody else fucking knew about. Mm-hmm. Then you find this little community around it. Yeah, it's just comes over. Shit, it's over. <laughs> that was never yeah, I find myself getting emotional at some podcasts, like just like little things that will get said or whatever. Where you're like, oh man, that's like heartbreaking. Um, 
Yeah, I find that quite a lot. Or just like you say, like it comes to an end or something. You're like, oh. It is oh, that no. weird thing you just get to know people you don't actually know. Yeah. <laughs> and become part of their life, whether it's manufactured for the podcast or not. Because obviously yeah. we all hold stuff back that we don't put in podcasts. So nobody truly knows a person on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. But um yeah, so uh, I'm just I'm just keeping on going. There's uh you know, everybody just keep an eye out and there will be episodes that drop. But the intention fails one was recorded. Um, all done. Uh, we've all picked our new ones and spoke about whether we finished our old ones or not. And yeah. um, I think because Nando always just reads everything that he gets, he hasn't got intentional fails. So he <laughs> did like a best of 2022. Yeah. Um, just his best reads, you know, not necessarily what came out in 2022. Um, and I didn't do that because I spoke about all mine in the Christmas episode. Um, but the guys brought other ones along and stuff as well. And then we just kind of, I don't know, we just kind of shot the shit on like stuff that we got for Christmas. We just brought <laughs> stuff along and just were like showing off. You know what I mean? Like, look what I got. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I so always joke like... that it's great for comics and snacks. Bad for <laughs> if you need the toilet and you <laughs> keep opening cans of drink, you bastards. But <laughs> I maintain you do on purpose since I told you. Yeah. Um, it doesn't help as well that now Dave has got into a habit of bringing along like a six pack of Iron Brew for all of us to just <laughs> dig into every time. So needless to say, like every time it's like Iron Brew, Iron Brew, yeah. <laughs> lip, 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 the stew. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna pour mine into a glass slowly. There, there is one that we recorded where that came up and genuinely somebody's got a glass and a jug and done it right beside the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> And I think I've said something like, this one goes out to Mr. Maureen. <laughs> now I said to David, I can't listen to yours if it's like, you know, an hour before lunch. <laughs> or I've had coffee and juice in the morning. <laughs> I have to listen in the vicinity of a toilet. That's a compliment. <laughs> yes, that should be on your tag. That should be on your strap line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the uh, the only other thing is we're still working away on the third issue um, of the comic. Yeah. Uh, but just, like I say, slowly but surely, again, we're not in any rush. We're doing it for us and nobody else sort of thing. Um, I got asked um, a wee while back of like, what was the ultimate goal? It was, I can't remember, it was just like a friend of mine just that sort of said like, oh, what's the ultimate goal with the book? And I said, to do it? Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, you don't want to sell it or like take it around cons or anything? I'm like, no, I just like doing it. I like it it being a project that I can do with my friends. It's to get and... the thing in your head out, isn't it? It's... Exactly, yeah. But I, I also just like the collaborative effort thing of us all yeah. chatting, chatting about it and doing it. That's why we keep doing it, because once one's done, we're like, oh, it's finished now. Well, I'll do another one. Yeah, all right. You know, it's like... well, I say, I mean, I work alone on my comic stuff, but I do like the thing of either sending it to you and being like, does this work so far? Or sending mm-hmm. a page to Andy and be like, does this drawing make sense? And he'd be <laughs> like, yeah, it works really well, actually. And me be like, fuck, I did that better than I thought. <laughs> or for him to go, yeah, but you kind of want to change this slight thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking but it's... shadows on people. Piss me off. <laughs> Shadows are the worst. That's why I don't I don't deal in shadows, mate. That's it. <laughs> I, I tend to do the standard, you know, it's either there behind them or it's there behind them, depending on where the light's coming from. But even yeah. then I'm like, fuck no, I had to light that side, didn't I? I just don't fucking care. 
I'm not I'm not good with light sources, so everything's just in flat color. That's it. <laughs> if people are looking at him be kind of like that shadow makes no sense, then I fucked up elsewhere. <laughs> that's that's why this next issue is gonna be all black and white, because I'm not dealing in shadows. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's all line work, man. that's it. Um it's, it's all but, a pain in the ass. Yeah. But we'll uh, we'll get there eventually, that'll come out. Um well I mean, don't get me wrong, we're hard at work at it. I mean yeah. Mike's Mike's got loads of strips that are finished and completed. Same with Dave. Uh, Nando's made, started to make a, a go at it. I've sent um little clippings of a, a script that I started um working with somebody on. Um so I've sent that off to I've sent that off to them um just to see what they think and I'm gonna stick that into a bigger thing. So that's come back kind of approved like yeah let's keep going with that. Um yeah yeah just cracking on mate that's same it's, with it's everything, man nobody's it banging it's not like you pre-sold it nobody's same with the podcast yeah nobody's giving you money for it so exactly i, w- I wouldn't want it that way either if, if you're running a patreon and not delivering fair enough or if you've done a kickstarter and unfulfilled it god knows how long after like some <laughs> do then fair enough but yeah i just uh yeah i just like doing things to enjoy it i don't like being forced to like have have to meet some standards of like a community or anything like that. Like I just en- I just enjoy doing it, and that's it. And as soon as it I feels like com- a job, then it's exactly that's it. It's it's done. And I enjoy. Let's it. face it, nobody should be in podcasting or comics for money. No, because <laughs> there isn't any. No. Even the people in it for money aren't getting what they think. Exactly. Exactly. But, awesome. On that down note, <laughs> always says no, like I'm warding people off doing comics and money. Yeah, and a podcast. Well, I, well, I'm just saying, like, I, I, I'm enjoying doing all this. That is the trajectory of that comic smell, and it also leaves me open for doing fine things like this. Exactly. So there we go. <laughs> awesome. Cheers, man. Take care. Thank you. Thank you very much, buddy. Meet you soon. So I'm almost up to date with my story. As all families do, we got used to life after death. And it was still fine. And things settled back into their traditional rhythms, season after season, and are much as they have always been. And we've got used to Kit Kat being happy again. And then we got used to her being a mum, albeit not a very good or even safe one. And in the end, I think I've learned the final lesson from my travels in time. And I've even gone one step further than my father did. Okay, I'll do the kids. No, don't worry. I'll do them. Yeah, do them, you lazy bum. (laughs) The truth is, I now don't travel back at all, not even for the day. I just try to live every day as if I've deliberately come back to this one day, to enjoy it, as if it was the full, final day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. I don't get many things right the first time, in fact, I am told... That was about time, and why not? I'd like to thank Tom for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. 
Be sure to check out That Comic Smell podcast wherever you get your podcasts or by checking the links in the show notes. At the time of recording, About Time is available in the UK on DVD and on second-hand Blu-ray or as part of a box set with Love Actually and Notting Hill. It also pops up regularly on various Channel 5-owned channels on Freeview TV or is available to purchase or rent digitally from Prime Video, YouTube and Sky. We put a shout-out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film and we had a few replies. Chat Tsunami Pod on Twitter said, I have a soft spot for About Time. It's a sweet enough story about learning to live life to the fullest with the quirky twist. SP Film Viewers on Twitter said, Love this movie, makes me cry though. And Space Odds 1985 on Twitter said about this and Moonstruck. Interesting takes on the romantic genre, but overall, very strange and dare I say cerebral films. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever this episode posted on our social media channels. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook. Not only will we be kept up to date about what episodes are coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check the links in the show notes. I've also set up a Slack channel for the podcast where you can join in with the film talk there. It's only been set up recently, so it's quite quiet at the moment, but it's our hope that we'll build an awesome little film community on there uh, for people to get involved with. If you'd like to join the Slack, either send us a message on social media or drop us an email at hauntednerds at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating if you have a second or two to spare. Or don't, we're just grateful you spent your time listening to us. If you've missed any And Why Not episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, we're back on Tuesday the 7th of March, where I'll be joined by Pav from the Top 10 of Anything podcast as we discuss the 2015 Star Wars sequel, The Force Awakens. But until then, this has been a Nerds of Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, we're all travelling through time together every day of our lives. All we can do is our best to relish this remarkable ride. Bye for now. Should we uh, come back when you haven't got any company? Or? Oh, well, that would be uh, quite difficult because Tim actually uh, lives here. Really? With you? Yes. Yeah, but no oral sex, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs>